The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric Franson, AJ Salveson. Talking about what's going on in sports today and focusing a lot on basketball. Utah Jazz held their media day yesterday. They've started to report to camp, had their first practices today. Uh, Last hour, we heard from Quinn Snyder and Dennis Lindsay about the process of putting this team together, some of their expectations for this upcoming season, how to use some of the different players they have now available to them with all that depth. There's now added experience and veteran uh, leadership on this team. And uh, very exciting uh, for the Utah Jazz this upcoming season and the the hope and expectation that's out there for this squad. Is it too high? Uh, Is it unfounded? Um, I don't think it's unfounded, but uh, what's your ceiling on this team? What's the basement? What's what's the best-case scenario, worst-case scenario, and then what do you think is practical? That's the question I threw out there um, on social media, on Twitter. but uh, getting, getting some responses back right now, get some people to uh, weigh in. Bryant Jensen, B. Jensen 630, says the ceiling is number one because I think their depth is better than the L.A. teams. That might make the difference. Basement is sixth, talking about where they're placed in the Western Conference. And the main floor is three, getting a three seed. Uh, Andy at, at Andy at the Movies, Andy Morgan, says so many factors, injuries to the Jazz and other teams, chemistry. There's another one. But he says, ceiling is one. Main floor is two to three. Basement is six. So uh, pretty similar to what a couple different responses that we're getting, similar senses out there from uh, from jazz fans on this. So love to get your thoughts, how you think things would go for the Utah Jazz this upcoming season. Uh, We're going to hear from Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert coming up in a little bit and uh, get their thoughts about this team. They're, both of them had great experiences playing internationally with the FIBA World Cup. Both played really, really important roles for their teams, and at moments were some of the best players in the entire tournament. Uh, so uh, we'll get the chance to hear from them um, coming up here in just a little bit on the Full Court Press. We'll also look at what's going on in Major League Baseball. You've got... Game one of the of the playoffs tonight. It's the wild card game in the National League, the Milwaukee Brewers and the Washington Nationals. Tomorrow it'll be Tampa Bay and Oakland. Now the game tonight is in Washington. The game tomorrow is in Oakland. Uh, the game tonight will be on TBS starting at six o'clock, and the game tomorrow also at six will be on ESPN. Again, that will be in Oakland. Uh, and then you get into the division series uh, after that coming up on Thursday. So we'll discuss what that path to the World Series looks like, who may have the easier path to get there, uh, and uh, see if you agree with us or or not. But before we get into all of that, we teased this right to the, the tail end of our show just this last hour. Uh, NBCSports.com has put together their own preseason top 25 for college basketball. Uh, it was released uh, this morning, um, but uh, we just caught word of this, and it's interesting who they have on here. Their projected number one is Michigan State, 
Always a really good club. Got a lot of really talented players coming back, led by Cassius Winston. Uh, Kentucky, number two. Kansas, number three. Louisville, number four. Villanova, number five. So some real blue bloods in here. Duke at number six. And then, uh, interesting to see the rest. Florida, Gonzaga, Maryland, and Virginia round out the top ten. Not far from that, at number 15, they have Utah State. The Utah State Aggies as the preseason 15th best team in college basketball. Can you believe that? Like, can you believe the Aggies? I mean, we're talking about the Utah State Aggies, right? From old, little, small Logan, Utah. Not the Cougars, not the Utes, not the Weber State Wildcats. The Aggies are in the top, or at least ranked it from NBC Sports, in the top 15. Wow. At that, look, there's already a lot of hype about this team. That just added, like, that's a gallon of gasoline onto the fire. I'm not even kidding. Here's what they have to say about the Utah State Aggies. Once we got word that the knee injury suffered by star center Namiya Keta in the FIBA U20 Euros was not serious, we knew that Craig Smith and his Utah State team would be the best in the Mountain West and arguably the best outside the power conferences. Keta is one reason why. Sam Merrill, who might play his way onto All-America teams by the, end of, by the time March rolls around, is probably a bigger reason why. All told, the Aggies bring back five of their top six from last season. They are going to be dangerous. I like it. What will be tough will be to maintain that status with some of the teams are playing in the preseason. Because teams that they're playing in the preseason, some of them are also on this top 25 list. Florida, uh, as I mentioned before, coming in at number seven on this list. LSU is on this list. Coming in at number 19, St. Mary's is on this list. Coming in at number 17, all of those are teams Utah State plays in their non-conference, on neutral sites, uh, before the season or the conference season really gets going. So, uh, great opportunities for Quadrant One wins, or at least Quadrant One games, for Utah State. But uh, a lot of attention on the Aggies in this squad and how they might look for this upcoming season. Uh, as we get closer to the regular season and the AP and coaches' preseason polls come out, uh, where will the Aggies stand on that? So, uh, anyway, just wanted to pass that along. That's pretty exciting. Uh, and uh, we've heard from some of the players and uh, Coach Craig Smith uh, last week and heard what they had to say about this upcoming season. You can go back and listen to that audio. By the way, if you missed it, we've got it all listed on 1069thefan.com. Let's go to our podcast section. Scroll down. You'll find it from last week. Uh, the audio, uh, uncut, raw, in its entirety, from Craig Smith, Sam Merrill, and Abel Porter. So go check that out if you want to hear what they had to say. Speaking of, if you want to hear what they had to say, Utah Jazz... They had their media day yesterday. They are preparing for the 2019-2020 season themselves. A lot of expectations on them as well. And last hour, we heard from head coach Quinn Snyder and general manager Dennis Lindsay um, and their take about how this team has come together, kind of what the expectations, what the opportunities are. But a lot of this may 
depend on how deep they go on their two young stars or homegrown talent, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Both had incredible opportunities to compete internationally this offseason for their respective countries, and both had moments where they were some of the best players in the tournament at times. Um, Ajay, before we get into this, anything that uh, people should definitely pay attention to when these guys uh, take the mic? Yeah, the questions will be asked about what Mike Conley can do. Like you asked the question, Eric, earlier. Your question will be answered here as well. Um, what what does this do for Donovan's ability offensively on the court when someone like Mike Conley's on the court with him? And he'll answer that. For Rudy Gobert, things that he's been working on uh, for both of them, what the Olympics did for both players as individuals. And uh, you might have a couple of questions, may or may not, um, I believe you do, though, have a question about Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert blocking a certain someone at the rim <laughs> in a big game. So that's all more here. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Media Day here on the Full Court Press. This year you get the opportunity to play with an elite point guard in Mike Conley. What, what do you feel like you can learn from him and, and being a backcourt partner with him? Um, I think, you know, the first thing um, I can really learn from him is just his leadership skills, leadership qualities. Um, I think for him, he's a guy who can who goes at his own pace. You know, I think that's one of the things I'm really starting to learn, um, just figuring out how to slow down a little bit, you know, take my time. And it's not really always about getting in there, you know, and scoring. You know, he's great at finding guys who are open. Um, I think that'll be, I think, a little bit easier for me this year, just being able to find guys and, you know, find big fella. I think he's he's... Mike has shown in his career that he can do both, hit the corner, hit guys in the corner on the wing, hit guys rolling to the basket. So just being able to take that away and just being around him, you know, he's, he's just the way he goes about his day, you know, whether it's eating right. Um, like I said, he moves at his own pace. You know, I make fun of him. I said, you've been in Memphis where you're down south, everything's slower. I'm from New York where everything's like, you know, <laughs> quicker. But, you know, just being able to apply that to, to my life and in my game. Uh, for both of you, can you speak to the benefits of international play during the summer and how that might impact your games this year? I think uh, you just learn how to win. You know, it's uh, you have a short amount of time, a group of guys. You try to get ready as a team, learn how to you know play for one another, and then go out there and uh, and try to represent the country and and win. So I was really happy that you know Donovan got to do that this year. And I think it's going to help him on the long run, as it did for me. Yeah, uh, similar along with Rudy. You know, one thing I really wanted to kind of improve on was my defense. You know, and on the defensive end, I think in FIBA, I've, I've started, I started to pretty much guard the best perimeter player, you know, for every game. I think that's one thing I've really, and Pop really helped me out with that with that mindset coming in there. And just be taking, not taking more pride in it, but having um, better mechanics, you know, better, not gambling as much. You know, in college, I came from where you try and go for steals every second, just keeping a man in front, uh, making your life easier on that end. Um, and also, you know, this time last year, I was, I had just started, you know, playing basketball again because of the injury. So I think that's one thing that's really going to help kind of being able to have a whole summer where I did get to work um, and put in a lot of time. Yeah, Donovan, to build on that, last year was a lot different with your rehab and all the things you had going on. This was much different. How, how, is, how did the offseason this year, compared to last year, have an impact on you and, and your preparation for this season? Um, well, honestly, I can go to the gym whenever I wanted to shoot. I think that's one of the things you really miss when you, you get hurt. And I think 
Um, just being able to just say, you know what, I'm going to go two days today, you know, even sometimes three. Um, being able to have that mindset coming in, you know, obviously I started a little bit earlier. Um, I think we both did starting early just because of a fever coming uh, that, that came up. But, you know, I'm just excited to just play basketball. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, I'm, I could just feel it. You know, I'm just excited to be healthy at the beginning of the year because I remember how tough last year was, especially for me, just not even during the season, but just kind of getting to this point of getting to a point where you feel just healthy you know I think so I, I take a lot of uh, I cherish that because you know it wasn't there and I think that's what's different between this year and last year Rudy you've had a lot of success in the past as a, a kind of the only true big man on the floor defensively with smaller lineups those might be the majority or maybe even all of your team's lineups this year do you feel like that's a, a bigger challenge for you uh, a different challenge in some ways where in previous years you've played with Derek and other bigger guys I think it's a different challenge you know um, obviously I think offensively you know the spacing uh, for me as a guy that puts a lot of pressure on the rim is going to be it's going to make it harder on the defense. You know, they're going to have to make tougher decisions and uh, the space is going to be way more open for all the guards too. Uh, now defensively, I think we're all going to, get, going to have to do a little more. You know, I'm going to have to do more. Uh, we're going to have to rebound, you know, as a team. We're going to have to just be a little tougher defensively and I think we will. John in the front row here. This question's for both of you guys. Um, so the league's obviously becoming a lot more global in terms of like who's winning awards, like who, you know, who's winning World Cup competition, things like that. You don't have to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> the, this season, we're going to see a record number of like NBA primetime games in Europe, and the Jazz will be in three of those games. Mm. Um, how important is it for the Jazz to have exposure to these European fans and just kind of that global exposure? I think it really started with with him. You know, you look at him winning defensive player of the year two times in a row. You look at how many international guys we have. We had Ricky last year. We have Dante. We have Joe. We have Bojan now. Like, there's so many guys we have that are from Europe, from from. Not, not from America, I think that's one thing that really helps. You know, for me, I'm getting a taste of it just from playing in the FIBA and then even going in China for, for my shoe tour. I think you just understand the passion and the love for the game. And, you know, I gain a lot of respect, you know, for um, guys who didn't grow up in America because you, all you know is one thing, you know, and Rudy's talked to me so much just about how much he's cherished basketball and how much they cherish basketball in Europe and China and in and, and Australia. I think that's uh, one thing that's really opening, or at least my eyes, and I think this game and the NBA has done a great job of being able to, to put teams on that platform, and I think we can only do more. I think three is a great start, but I say why not more, and I think, um, like you said, playing playing in these games and doing and going on these trips I think really help. Oh, you're not going to answer that. <laughs> I agree. You know, I think, <laughs> um, you know, growing up in Europe, you know, it's not easy for us to watch games. Uh, I probably watched my first NBA game when I was 15 or 16. You know, so you know, you just you just learn the game and love the game because you love the game, and then you you find out that there's uh, you know ways to watch games, watch more games. The NBA has done a great job over the last few years, you know, at improving that. Obviously, you know, when uh, when the games is at 7 p.m. here, it's at 2 a.m. in France or 3 a.m., so it uh, makes it a little harder. But uh, 
you know the game has grown amazingly and we have a lot of talent everywhere around the world um, you know and those kids I feel like 20 years ago it was harder for those kids to to think that they were going to be NBA players now anywhere in the world you can you know you can have that goal and uh, and I think it's great for the game Donovan, there's been so much talk and so much hype about this team, maybe more so in 20 years of this franchise. How do you deal with those expectations? Do you embrace them? Do you block them out? Or do you make them a part of the culture here? I think it's really tough to block it out in today's world with how much we're on our phones, how much we're you know seeing it. So, so the biggest thing for us is, um, I think Mike said it before, like, just focusing on what we can do, you know, what we what we control. We control what we can control. You know, at the end of the day, moves have been made in the West when people are going to say whatever they want to say. But for us, we, we have to start over, really. You know, we have, I think, what is it, Eight, eight new guys, I think, believe something like that. So we have to we have to start from scratch. Kind of we have a we have a platform, we have a base, but we got to build from that. And I think that's really where our head is at. You know, I don't think any guy in the locker room is saying, "Oh, we're this in the West, or we're that, or we could be here." I think that's kind of setting yourself up for failure if you start to look too far ahead. Uh, the biggest thing is just continuing starting with tomorrow. You know, tomorrow is going to be one day, and then we start focusing on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, and then we get ready for Australia and, and continue to go from there or Adelaide. Excuse me gotta get it right <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you guys just about that France USA game and how kind of you know unique it was that you guys played against each other and you know obviously what what ended up happening go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly um, you know it's it that so I those three games for me Ricky against Ricky against him against Joe were just weird <laughs> to me like you know you came out ready to compete but it's just it's different than in practice you know usually I miss a shot against Rudy I get another chance in like two seconds in practice you know <laughs> but like then it was like it was different and I think I don't know if you feel the same but like it just felt different but you know once the ball was tossed up and you know I think I said something the first play and he said something back and that's when we got right to being competitive um both played well. I think that that's pretty exciting. You know, he was, you know, really showed why he is who he is, and I try my best to do the same. But you know, it was just a great experience. You know, I think for us, um, just kind of just seeing us in a different element. You know, I think that's one thing that really kind of was pretty special. And I go for for Rudy and for Joe. You know, Joe had what almost two or three triple doubles during the tournament. So like we all did our own things in different spaces but it's pretty cool just and you learn a lot you know you learn a lot about guys outside of the the the, the setting here and I think it was pretty cool yeah you know like you say that's a totally different setting for me playing for the for your country playing for the French national team you know you we sacrifice a lot to be able to you know you have like I said two months you you practice every day while other guys could be uh, playing pickup games or you know being on the beach or whatever with the families so it's like you know you you sacrifice to to try to accomplish something and you know it's a it's a different kind of focus a different kind of uh, of serious you know once you get into the game everything is a little tougher everything is a little you know matters a little more so it's uh, just a great experience you know and uh, I've always dreamed about you know beating USA in a international tournament we did it this time Hopefully we get to, to do it again. No. Question. <laughs> Next question is back here. Uh, for both of you guys, the team, the front office, seemed to go out and find floor spacers specifically to open up parts of your games individually. 
How, how do you see that working? I mean, what, what do you think you can do now with better spacing? Um, I think the, the the biggest thing is honestly, like, you know, obviously it's no secret we run pick and roll a lot. I think it, it makes, honestly, well, my life, you know, easier, you know, trying to find guys. Because now, like Rudy said, you know, they have a harder decision to make on defense. You know, you have probably the most dynamic roller in the NBA, and then you got Boyan in one corner. You know, you got Mike, you got Joe, you got Royce. You know, you can go down the line. Um I think that makes it a lot easier. I think and it's, it shows that, you know, how much they, they kind of want to support the two of us. And I think it's, 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 uh, it's really on us at this point. You know, I think, I think we're ready for that challenge. I think um, we both had, like, you, like we all know, great, great summers. But at the end of the day, <laughs> it's on. It's, we can control we can control. And I think we are ready for that challenge. Uh, what do you say? You know, I think... Uh the, the 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 kind of build a team around us, you know, around our abilities to, you know, put a lot of pressure on the rim, and uh, it's on it's on me to be the guy that I've been defensively even better, and uh, offensively be be the guy that I've been and keep showing that I, that I'm getting better every year, and uh, on Donovan it's on him to you know keep growing and keep making play for himself and for for others, and I think. Uh, if we're able to do that and you know and, and share the ball and, and play as a team and defend with the mindset that we know every possession matters, uh, I think we're going to be very hard to beat. That's Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Jazz Media Day. A couple things that really stood out to me was Donovan's approach this season, how different it's been than it was a year ago. A year ago after the season, he had the foot problem. Uh, he wasn't healthy, but he also kind of toured the state, and it was the, the summer of Donovan Mitchell, which I can't fault the guy. Yeah. Everybody loved what was going on. They wanted him wherever they could have him, uh, and he soaked it up, and it was great. I mean, he ingrained himself to jazz fans deeply that this guy – loves being here, he wants to be a part of what's going on here. It was great. But the next season, he was slowed. Not because of all he was being uh, derelict in his duties of trying to prepare himself for an upcoming season. A good portion of that was because he was injured and he had to be restricted about when he could get into a gym and whatnot. This season, as he talked about, he didn't have those restrictions. He could get in a gym whenever he wanted. He's coming into the season healthier, hungrier. He's had international experience. He's been able to train at a higher level. And so I'm really excited for the 2019-2020 version of Donovan Mitchell. And similar degree with Rudy. Rudy didn't have an injury-plagued offseason before, but this is a guy that continues to work out in the weight room continues to bulk up to be stronger in the post and continues to work on elevating his game as we saw him do in the FIBA World Cup. Yeah, and and that's the great thing about what for I we said it multiple times and you heard it on on national networks or whatever that top 5 players in that tournament in the FIBA played for the Utah Jazz. Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles, uh, Donovan Mitchell and Ricky Rubio and former jazz guy, I guess. Um, that's four out of five who played in that thing. One of them won the MVP of the whole doggone thing. 
Uh, and and really, in fact, Dwayne Wade talked about it. In fact, I was listening to something from Dwayne Wade, and this is just after the 08 Redeem team that won it all. And uh, and someone had asked him, you know, what was your experience like? And he said, the best ever because I got better in my individual game. Like, while playing with the, with these guys and... And um, and playing against some of the best players in the world overall, he got better in his individual things that made him a better basketball player. And then we saw that in the finals, in, in four straight finals, we saw that from him. And and that's going to be the case for Rudy Gobert and for Donovan Mitchell. They both got better because of this experience. And, and in regards to your comments about um, how Donovan spent that summer last year, you're right. You know, it, it's fun. And and I don't blame him because you you want to be you know active with the Utah people, but you got to understand that you have a basketball season coming up, eighty two game season, which is brutal. Even if you space it out with less back to backs and less four games and five nights and all that stuff, it's still brutal. And you and you have to be able to learn to say no, and learn to say you know what today I need to be sitting down and not doing anything and just relaxing or deferring to my teammates at certain moments in a game. Like, I don't have to go out and try to kill myself. Yeah, oh, exactly. You know, that's a great point. Yeah, I don't need to go try and put up 40 shots tonight. I can allow my team to help take that load off my shoulders. And you know now, what? looks like Joe's got a hot hand. I'm going to let him yeah. roll with it. And now he can do that, right? Now he can, I think in that in that Houston series, he quit trusting his guys. And I bluntly, I can't blame him. Now he can actually give, I mean, he can trust those guys and, the the they'll um they'll back up for him by hitting shots. And and again, this this the way this roster is designed, it spaces out the court. One for Rudy Gobert's need and two for Donovan Mitchell's need. It's gonna be good. Yeah, that was the other thing that I loved listening to about the spacing near the end there, how that's gonna help Donovan create more uh, and be able to attack a little bit in, in different ways. But then also to hear Rudy talk about how that affects his game. as he, I think he's going to get a lot more lobs and a lot more roll as he rolls to the rim. Because, man, if I'm a defending team, what do I do? Uh, you're you're yeah. going to get killed yeah. on yeah. the pick and roll. Yeah, It's going to be tough to defend because there are so many different options, so many different ways that the Jazz can attack you. You can just see, I was watching the training camp audio today from after uh, their first practice. You can see uh, Coach Snyder's like eyes and head just spinning, like I mean, just spinning of ideas and thoughts. I'd love to be like the backboard, not one that really dunks on, but just in the gym. He's a mad scientist, and he just got all of his favorite. And by toys the, okay, and by and the tools. way, I've interviewed that guy, and I think a mad scientist, as crazy as it says, is an understatement. He thinks, drinks, talks, breathes, sleep basketball so much. And there's things he'll talk about and you'll be like, wait, um, what does that mean? Like, all I asked you is, uh, how's the pick and roll going? And then he's like, well, you take this guy and you space him out and then you pin this guy at the free throw line and you have this guy slip down and then you got the knot here uh, from left to right. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm like, I just asked you, I mean... I, I just asked you how the pick and roll went, you know, whatever. And he, like, I mean, it is just constantly spinning with him. And it's amazing. Um, he is, he's a great, great coach. And he's a good fit for Utah. 
by the way, he's a great fit for Utah. Yeah, fun to see this team coming together. Can't wait. And the first preseason games are just a few days away. Uh, it be fun to see how this uh, it starts to work out, what that chemistry looks like, what the rotations look like for this Utah Jazz squad. Uh, coming up next here in the Full Court Press, we'll shift a little bit to baseball. There's a World World Series playoff. There's a playoff game tonight. We'll talk about the path to the World Series uh, in Major League Baseball, and we'll also give you our stat and player that uh, player of the week. Oh, wanted to say this too. The ESPN put together their top 100 players. Before we move past the, the, the Jazz, I want to make sure we include this. The players that we talked about who we think might be this projected starting five are all in the top 100. Well, you and I, I guess, disagree about whether Joe Ingles is a starter or Royce O'Neal might be a starter. But they have Joe Ingles at number 62. Uh, last year, he was at number 53. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich at number 48. He wasn't even ranked in the top 100 last year. Mike Connolly at number 24, he was 44th last year. Donovan Mitchell at number 20, he was 22 last year. So a little improvement for him. And Rudy Gobert at number 14, he was 23rd a year ago. So <laughs> oh, it's awesome. four of the five in the top 50. Yeah, so, it's just freaking it, awesome. It's an impressive lineup for the Utah Jazz. All right, coming up next, we'll switch gears. Let's talk Major League Baseball. We'll give you our stat that blew our minds and our player of the week coming up next here on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. You know, I look forward to seeing our guys do something special. Um, I look forward to, to you know, walking in after the game and saying, man, can you believe, you know, he did that. That was incredible. That was an incredible performance. And so you look, I look forward to those moments kind of happening. Um, and that's, that's what, like, that's what calms you down about games like this is kind of watching your players do special things um, and knowing that you're going to have guys that are going to do special things tonight. That's Craig Council, manager for the Brewers. They're playing tonight at the Washington Nationals. We'll discuss that game coming up here in just a little bit as the Major League Baseball playoffs get underway tonight. The one-game wild card game in the National League is tonight. The one-game wild card game in the American League is tomorrow night. Uh, we'll talk about the path to the World Series coming up in just a moment. But first, Anjay, let's get into the stat that blew our minds. Something in the last week that just really surprised you when you saw it. Yeah, you want to go first? That's code for I no, still have to look something no, I up. Just, no, I just want to make sure I'm right. I don't. Well, you do some research and uh, search for something. Oh, shut the, up. The stat that blew my mind, I was really taken aback by that uh, Buccaneers-Rams score in the NFL over the weekend. 55 to 40? Just incredible. I mean, you, you don't see scores like that in the NFL very often, especially that both teams scored that much, but one team in particular scored over 50 points in the NFL. Interestingly enough, the Buccaneers' 55 points is the most against a 3 0 team or better in the Super Bowl era. The previous high was 54, and that was by the Kansas City Chiefs in week eight. 
and that was back in 2000. And guess who they played that week and defeated? <laughs> yes, it was the Rams. Uh, but the Rams injured that week 6-0. and But incredible that it happens to the Rams twice. The two highest scoring games for opponents against an undefeated team to that point with at least three games played were against the L.A. Rams. No kidding. Wow. But 55 points. In the NFL, that's incredible. So you, you saw the uh, Bears-Broncos game. A uh, majority of people did. Um, and we saw that the Broncos converted the two-point conversion and still lost, right? They were down one. They went for two. They got it. Up one. Field goal's good. It's over. Uh, the Broncos became the first team. This is nuts to me. Became the first team to convert a two-point attempt down one in the fourth quarter and still lose since the NFL adopted the two-point conversion in 1994. Whoa. Really? <laughs> yeah, I saw that stat, like, uh, in fact, just immediately after the game, I was like, I got I to gotta use this on Tuesday. I have to. It's so good. Uh, it's from ESPN Stats and Info. But, yeah, Broncos become the first team to convert a two-point conversion down one in the fourth and still lose. There have been some wild finishes where oh, you think man. you've got the win, yeah. got the lead, and there's only, what, a minute or so left just to see that lead or that victory crawl out from underneath you. Uh, for me, my player of the week, I'm going closer to home. Okay. He did not receive any Mountain West honors. He wasn't on any national awards that were handed out this week. But he'll be on in my for my honor as player of the week. And that's Gerald Bright. Just the work that he did Saturday night for the Aggies, 36 carries, 179 yards, career night for him. He got, uh, in one day, a quarter of the many carries as he got all of last year. In one night, he almost got about a quarter of all of the yards as he got in all of last season. It was an incredible night for Gerald Bright. He carried the team in a lot of different ways in that victory over Colorado State. So for me, he's my player of the week. Mine's going to be Skyby's quarterback, Carlson. You know, when Mason went down, people thought, crap. And well, there goes that idea of, you know, maybe a, a first-round bye in a state championship appearance or this, that, and the other. And I was one of them. I said Skyby was out of it because Mason Falsehood was going to be hurt or was hurt. They're 3-0 with him at quarterback. And, they, and by the way, those are wins over, <laughs> wins over Green Canyon, Ridgeline, and Mountain Crest. And two of those three are on the road. This kid's been money, money for the Skyview Bobcats. He's been, and by the way, what's incredible is he still finds a way to keep all his receivers involved. Mason Fultz, I think, finished with the second lowest amount of yards on the team, but I still have the two touchdown passes. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Carlson, the Skyview quarterback, is my player of the week. It's great for him, but I think that also speaks volumes for coaching. Yeah, that absolutely. he was ready to step in, and th- that team has not really lost a step. Uh, very good. All right, uh, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, we'll get into uh, Major League Baseball playoffs. They begin tonight, six o'clock. It's going. The first game of the playoffs is going to be Milwaukee at Washington. We heard Craig Council a little bit getting excited for his players. What else does he have to say? And uh, others saying about the game tonight, and we'll discuss what that path might be for some of these other teams that are in the playoffs, who has a like most likely chance 
of making it into the World Series. We'll discuss that next, coming up right here on the Full Court Press. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. It's one game. we got to play to win one game. Um, all year I told these guys, our, 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 my message was clear with them, hey, let's go 1-0. And, and, that, and that, that's not going to change today. That's Davey Martinez with his message to his team. He's the skipper of the Nationals. They're hosting the Brewers tonight, 6 o'clock on TBS. Uh, Ajay, real quickly, before we get into Major League Baseball, we forgot to mention this earlier in the show. There's news today. Uh, we know that uh, a certain school down south is having problems. The, their leading running back is out for the year. Now we know that their star quarterback, he's going to miss an extended period of time. Zach Wilson got hurt this past weekend at Toledo, had surgery on his, on his right hand, and he will be out six to eight weeks. Why do Aggie fans care? <laughs> that puts him back with his team probably at least a week or two weeks, maybe even three weeks, after Utah State plays BYU. Yeah, so let's do the math here. So they're at South Florida this week, right? That's one. Then they're at Boise State. Uh, actually, no, sorry, they have a bye this week, so that's one week. Well, I used to be on add on this week. So one South Florida, two's the Boise State game, three's the Utah State game, four's the Liberty game, five are Idaho State, and six is UMass. That's what you're looking at. In fact, there is, I think they got one more. They do. No. Yeah, they do. They have two, they have one more bye. So you're looking at seven. So the seventh week would be UMass. So he's either returning for Idaho State or returning for UMass. But he's not, I don't know how good he'll feel for San Diego State on their final road game. What's even more interesting than that is if they don't win at South Florida, Eric, they have two wins. USC, Tennessee, with Boise State, B, uh, Boise State, Utah State still on their schedule. And if they don't beat either of those teams, they have to win out. Liberty, Idaho State, UMass, and San Diego State at San Diego State just to become bowl eligible. Just to become bowl eligible. And we all know how good San Diego State can be. And we all know how good Boise State is. That's at BYU, thank goodness for them. And then they're asked out for it. Now, this Jaron Hall kid, he's he he looks shaky. I mean, look, knowing that when your starting quarterback goes out in that hostile environment in Toledo, it's tough to come in and just, oh, hey, we need you to get us a game-winning drive from about 84 yards out. Go. But um, I still think he provides some good things. I think he's got a decent arm. Not really great outside of the pocket. Uh, but has good vision, makes good reads, nearly, even though the one from Toledo was nearly picked off. Uh, Eric, my question to you is, how much does this affect BYU in regards of their chances to become bowl eligible? I think it really does hurt them. It hurts them greatly. Uh, I think I saw something earlier that, uh, what is it, BYU has had to rely on the backup quarterback now six straight seasons. It's a murderer's row 
That, that's the way yeah. they start their season every year. I hear so many BYU fans so excited about independence and the type of teams they get to play and they get to schedule, but they never come out of it. They never survive it. But hey, okay, you get to play them. Good for you. Yeah, and then that's the thing is that they're going through this schedule playing all these physically tough teams, and it's a demanding schedule being independent. Um, and, and But every year we end up in the same situation, right? One of their starting running backs, starting receiver, starting quarterback is hurt, and they're done. Right. It, it really – And by the way – A I, schedule like that tests your depth, and I, they don't have it. And I think the Tyson Williams injury is more devastating than the Zach Wilson injury. Oh, I to- yes. Very and because when you got to go to South Florida in the heat and humidity that is South Florida, that's, that's a dogfight. That is no given game for BYU. In fact, I need to look up how good actually is South Florida. But uh, – well, well They've been good in the past. I don't know what they're not great like right, right now. They uh, let's see. They beat Stony Brook thirty-one, only thirty-one seventeen. They lost to Wisconsin forty-five nothing. They lost to Georgia Tech, who's lost to Citadel last week fourteen ten. Beat SC State fifty-five sixteen, but lost to SMU forty-eight twenty-one. So they're not great. They're not great. No. Nope. But at South Florida, it's got to make you worry just a little bit. So anyway, just some news. Uh, certainly, as that affects the Utah State Aggies when that game is played, uh, almost in a month from now, close. Um, it'll be early. You think November. he makes it? Do you think he tries to come back early to play for that game? I think there may be some desire. I don't know that he'll be cleared. Hmm. Yeah. Major League Baseball. Let's switch shift to Major League Baseball. Fine. I know how much you love talking about BYU, but I'm going to give us back on on track here. Brewers at the Nationals The tonight. media relations people freaking nicknaming Cosmo because I thought they were a good football team. <laughs> how bad this sucks in life. Well, you, you love them. And then they yelled at me yesterday. <laughs> I have no friends. You asked too many questions. <laughs> uh. National League wild card game is tonight. Brewers at the Nationals. Um... And uh, this game starts a little bit after 6 o'clock tonight on TBS. Looks like they got the start time slated for about 6.08. It's a very precise time. Um, but the National League wildcard game, it's a one-game series. And Max Scherzer will be on the mound for the Nationals. Brandon Woodruff for the Brewers, the slated probable starters. And uh, tomorrow... It's going to be the American League. It's going to be the Rays at the Athletics. Charlie Morton and Sean Manea. Uh, yeah, well, you know, we started with tonight's game. No Kristen Yelich, and that's huge. Kristen Yelich has been a big part of this Brewers team. He, uh, um, what was he slugging? I got to look it up here. Sorry, I had the numbers tonight. No, there it is. Yeah, if that guy didn't go out from injury, he. You may be talking about him as MVP of the National League. Absolutely. 420 or, yeah, 329 in the NL, he led in, in batting. Uh, his on base percentage, 429, led the NL. Slugging percentage, 671, led the NL. And OPS, 1.100, led the NL. And by the way, he slugged a career high 44 home runs with that. Now, he's going to be in the dugout. Craig Cancel has said he's welcome to be in the dugout. We'd, we'd love to have him there. Um, he, it, it's huge, the leadership and the presence. Uh, but for Milwaukee, I still think this is a good enough ball team to go to Washington and beat Washington. Still think they're good enough to do it. 
I see. I'm the other way. I, I think that Scherzer on the mound will be the difference maker. He's had a good season. Uh, I think the Nationals have a lot to prove this year after Bryce Harper uh, chose to go a different direction. I, I like how they've rallied together. Uh, I think that they've got a, a nice bullpen going, and so uh, and it's in their park. I think that this plays a, a factor. So uh, I'm actually I think that the Nationals get this one tonight and uh, move on. So the the way that it happens from here is the winner of tonight's game gets the honor of traveling to Los Angeles <laughs> to play the Dodgers, which the the first team to qualify for the playoffs, the hottest team in baseball, great pitching, great hitting. That um, they they await the fate of whatever happens tonight. And tomorrow night, the winner of that matchup faces the Houston Astros, another team that's got a lot of great playoff experience, and tr- probably, arguably, the best bullpen uh, in these playoffs. Uh, I think it's hard to find a bullpen that's better or deeper than Houston's. See, I, th- I think Milwaukee can compete with the Dodgers. I don't think the Nationals can. Um, I think that, I mean, pitching for pitcher in their starting rotation, the Washington Nationals are better. I think one through nine in the batting lineup, Milwaukee's much better to be able to compete with the Dodgers. Um, don't know if they beat them, but at least compete with them and give them a series. The other divisional series uh, that will take place starting later this week, uh, you'll have uh, Minnesota at New York. Uh, in the American League and in the National League, it'll be St. Louis at Atlanta. I'm terrified. As a Braves fan, I'm I hate having to play St. Louis. I I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But <laughs> I understand it's it's just how the NL is. And I mean, St. Louis is a very very good baseball team. They're hot. Yeah, they're right say, now they finished September really really hot. Yeah, really well. and so that that part does scare me. I love what the 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 top of the order half of the order can do for the Braves. Don't like what the bottom half has been doing lately. Pitching wise, they're they're okay, but they're not consistent. Um, that could be a very very grinding series for both teams in their starting rotation and especially for their bullpen. I think you're going to see you have the potential to see a ton of home runs in the Twins Yankees series. Oh my gosh, those okay. What is the chances? Uh, just off the top of my head, what's the chances that that series in each game could be an average of four hours long? <laughs> I'm I'm dead serious. Like I think there's a chance. Uh, it's yes. I think that of all the games and all the matchups that would that series could go the oh longest on gosh. average. That's just gonna be long, long baseball games. Um, I like, but could have a lot of scoring. Yeah, I still don't think that Twins could keep up with the Yankees though. I just think they'd run out of steam. I think the biggest difference is the Yankees uh, with their pitching staff. Yeah. I think that what the Twins have done offensively is impressive. But I don't know that they can have enough defense, uh, especially on the mound, to hold them. Ooh, that's a great point. Defensively, are they going to be good enough to hold? That's a great point. I like that. Um, and then the A's, by the way, is is who the A's got on? So the A- the A's play Tampa tomorrow. Is that tomorrow? Yes. I like the A's in that matchup, and the winner gets the Astros. Is that right? Yes, correct. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be that guy. The Astros will not make the ALCS, which means the A's beat the Astros in the ALDS. They win tomorrow, and then they turn around and they beat the Astros in six or seven games. No sooner than that. I've seen a few other people say that the Astros are the most prone to having an early exit. Uh, I don't know that I buy that. I understand why, and yep, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's freaking the Astros. 
I just think that <laughs> I just think that they're scrappy at the plate. I love what they do at the plate. They don't have any big home run dingers, but they got guys who can play great small ball, and small ball can get you wins, and they can and they can exhaust pitchers really well. The A's are, I think, one of the top three teams in taking the count and making pitchers throw in average high pitches per batter. So they like to raise the count on you. They like to take counts to 2-2, two, 3-2 two, two, um, as much as possible. They'll eat the count up on pitchers, and that exhausts their pitch count. So you think it's who's going to be New York representing? It's going to be a reminder of the 3 Moneyball movie. Remember in the 2 ALCS, the great play by Derek Jeter, A's versus the Yankees? We're going to see a rematch. Okay. Uh, and who comes out of that? New York? Uh, yeah, New York. And I don't know if that series is even close. In fact, uh, one of my good buddies here just texted me. He's a big diehard Astros fan, very knowledgeable. He says, I want nothing to do with the A's. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because you see some teams, the way that they're built, they may not have this good a record, but when they go up against other teams, just their style just can prove to be really problematic. Uh, and that the A's Astros series could be could be one of those. The St. Louis and uh, Braves series could be one of those. Uh, I hope so. Gosh dang! I swear, Braves. Don't. I think it. I think Houston don't. survives. I think it'll be New York and Houston, uh, a rematch of a couple years ago in the postseason. Um, but I I see Houston still getting past New York and making it to the World Series. They're my team out of the American League. Now, what about the National League for you? You know, I still think it's the Dodgers, and it's the Dodgers to run through, and it's the, <laughs> the L.A. Dodgers are just absolute beasts. I mean, a bullpen, lineup, starting rotation, holy smokes. Whether it's St. Louis, Atlanta, or Milwaukee, for that matter, getting out of there, I think the Dodgers, Dodgers finish them up and, and, and uh, head to uh, – we have a coast-to-coast series. Uh, I think it could be that, although I don't think it'll be that far. I think it'll be a Gulf Coast to coast series. I think it'll be Houston versus LA. Uh, and this is a rematch of a few years ago. Um, One of the better world series. It we've was ever a really seen. good. My gosh. It was a really good series between those two clubs. I think that actually LA finally gets over the hump. And I'm, I'm I think that the Dodgers win the World Series this year. I just look at the path to get there, the type of season that they've had, the type of players and rotations that they have. I think that they've got such a sour taste in their mouth about how things have gone the last few years. They finally figure out how to make it work for them, and they get the ring. I like it. Uh, I think the Dodgers get the ring as well. I think they beat the Yankees. I, I, I just It will be a powerful matchup. Um, bullpen will be as evenly matchup as we've seen um, in the World Series in a long time. But I think these are two very powerful teams in the lineup, two very powerful teams in the bullpen, two very reliable teams defensively in the outfield and infield especially. Very, very solid teams in the fielding positions, which is going to be make for some fun baseball. I can't wait. Mm, good point. So the game tonight, 6 o'clock on TBS at Nationals Park. Tomorrow it'll be... The American League Wild Card game that'll be six o'clock on ESPN at Oakland Coliseum, and then the National League Division Series uh, gets underway uh, on Thursday. Game one, uh, whoever wins will be at the Dodgers. It'll be eight thirty, excuse me, six thirty on TBS, uh, and then the um, so that's uh, some of the other games will be going. Also, game three. Uh, or excuse me, October 3rd will be St. Louis, Atlanta. That'll be at 3 o'clock on TBS. By the way, can you imagine on Monday's recap, 
basketball, jazz basketball, what playoff baseball, NFL football, college football, Utah State Aggie football, all on Monday. <laughs> Brace for it, It'll everybody. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Thanks for sticking with us. Tomorrow, in the know, Wednesday, Utah State, LSU. Good night.